Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Craig Swan and again this week our special guest Celtic legend Chris Sutton to discuss all the latest from Parkhead. On the pod today, Celtic have been awarded their ninth consecutive Premiership title and we'll look at what that means. Uh, We'll also take a wee look at who are the key men and the squad from throughout the season, the big talking points, and of course the achievements of Neil Lennon, who's now one of the most decorated figures in the club's history. So just before we get going today, I just need to draw your attention to our new record Celtic newsletter. Now, Chris, I know for a fact you'll have already you'll have already signed up for this, uh, but for those who don't know, you can get all the latest Celtic news straight into your inbox. Every day, uh, we cover everything coming out of Parkhead in the form of articles, videos and podcasts. It drops at 12pm every day, giving you a roundup of the best stories that we have covered in the last 24 hours. So all you need to do is go to our website, bang in your email address and you'll get all that news straight into your inbox every day. Uh, So lads, thanks again. Tony, thanks for joining us. Chris, thanks for joining us again this week. Um, No problem. How are you? We sat here last week after the EGM saying could be couldn't be too long now before there was a decision on the title and here we are, Celtic crowned nine in a row champions once again. Um just just as somebody, you know, who's obviously won league titles yourself throughout your career. Nine well, Swanee, t- Swanee might have won a title or two as well. <laughs> I don't really know. Let's not go there. Do you get any trophies <laughs> in the, the cabinet? Yeah, kids football, I think. Kids football, I see. That's, that's but, but, Butland Snooker Tournament. Uh, I think about the under-17s yeah. is about the extent of my achievements. So, Chris, we'll come to you on this one. Just nine trophies, nine titles in a row. Just put into context for us how much of a, an achievement that really is. Um, oh, it's an enormous achievement. You know, it's only been done twice in, you know, in, in history before. And, you know, the pressure of it was so intense going into the season and, and you know, everybody talking about 10 in a row, 10 in a row. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, is, um, you know, uh, it was against, a, you know, a Rangers team who, you know, I think had a bit more belief this season and, and it was felt they were going to push um, Celtic, so you know, I think Neil Lennon realised, uh, you know, the pressure, um, and you know they got over the line, and you know it's a big deal, and I, I think that uh, you know it's it, it's not been a secret that the league was going to be called, you know, weeks ago this was going to be, um, but I suppose from a Celtic point of view, that one is uh, is boxed off, and. You know, I know there's loads of arguments about tainted titles and asterisks, this, that, the other. I don't, you know, absolutely don't get that. Celtic won the title on the pitch and, uh, you know, sensible people across the country, everybody knows that. So, um, you know, I'm not one of those who, who's buying into this tainted stuff and the asterisks. Swanee, I think, um, I mean, I think it was all over before, even though we shut down, wasn't it? 13 points. I don't think anybody was realistically thinking that Rangers could have clawed that back? No, I think Celtic had gone on such a fantastic run since they came back from the, the winter break. I mean, Chris is talking about the pressure that the Celtic players were under going into the season with the expectation on them. And as, as he said, going trying to everybody talking about 10 before 9 had had been achieved. And, you know, I think in thir- the 30th, Celtic played 30 league games and won 26 of them. 
And I think if you take the, the, the domestic cup competitions and I may be corrected here, I think it was 37 games, 33 wins. That's, that's staggering form over over the course of, what, eight months or whatever it was, eight, nine months. I mean, for anybody to suggest that that's not worthy of winning the title, I'm really not sure where they're coming from because that is, that's, that's just quite phenomenal. I think um, when we spoke last week, I think we pointed out that Celtic in 30 games this season they scored 12 more goals in the league than they had in 38 games last season I mean they were absolutely flying you know in the last game before it finished they took 5 off St Mirren going on 15 um, and I don't think there was anybody stopping them they, they just hit that Neil Lennon spoke about it when we were over in Dubai he said at this time of the year when he, when he was talking about going into the second part of the season at this time of the year the winning mentality of the players I expect it will kick in I think he was proven right there. And the, the, the wheels had come off across the city. You have to say that. And, and you know, the game Celtic were going into was the Rangers game at Ibrox. They'd just been thumped by uh, by Leverkusen. They'd had no good form, uh, you know, since the winter break. And, and Celtic were on a high. And, and in many respects, Rangers are lucky that the, the season finished and it was just 13 points. Yeah, I think it could have been 20 or so, Chris, to be perfectly honest with you, yeah. I think given the fact that Rangers had had such a punch, let's, let's, it's all lifts and butts, we don't know, but Rangers had had a punishing European tie on the Thursday night, it was a, you know, it was a hard game against Leverkusen, Celtic were fresh from a week off because they'd been knocked out, um, and as I say, they were flying from the game the week before, they had that new system, Griffiths is just coming off a hat-trick playing alongside Edouard, they, they, and they, you got the impression they had a score to settle from what had happened in December 29, so... Yeah, I think I think it, I think it was done. Yeah, I mean, we, it keeps coming back to the, you know, the, the winter break and sort of what happened in Dubai. Um, obviously, coming off the back of that derby, but I think it's what it's what kind of sticks out about this Celtic team at times is just they always, whenever there is a setback, they always just seem to from somewhere be able to find another level, don't they? Yeah, look, I think that there's, uh, you know, that's that's the difference. Uh, players who have who have gone the course and distance, been there, and done it. You know, to have have the have the maturity and the nous and the, and the know-how uh, to respond to defeats and uh, and to get over the, over the line. There's a winning mentality at Celtic, and I think that you know it's certainly shone through. And there's no there's no doubt about it. You know, I've been there and lost games to. Uh, you know, to, to Rangers, and it, and it hurts. And Celtic players certainly would have been smarting after the nature of the, the defeat um, at Celtic Park. You know, Rangers were the better team on the day. But Celtic used that as a, a, as a tool to get stronger a, a, and came out of it. I think the manager deserves a lot of credit. Uh, you know, Swanee's touched on it in terms of the change of formation, getting Lee Griffiths into the team, the 3-5-2. The um, and and being a lot more positive, I think, just going out and thinking we are going to blow teams away. You know, if, if a team scores against us, we're just going to outscore them. And and it seemed to, um, you know, work. Suited Lee Griffiths, um, linked up superbly well with, with Edward, who's a, who's a class act. And I think that was, uh, you know, the difference ultimately. That, that switch, that change of uh, formation transformed Celtic season. And as well, you mentioned um, Neil Lennon there, Chris, specifically. Is there, so maybe a wee, I mean, obviously, a men's 
personal satisfaction for you know winning another title, but will there be a kind of extra bit of catharsis for him considering if you think back to around about this time last year, there was a fair bit of optimism among Rangers fans when Lennon was given the job permanently. But now here we are a year later. He's won the, the League Cup. He's won the league by a considerable distance and they were favourites to win the Scottish Cup. So will there be a bit of kind of personal catharsis there for him as well? Um, I don't think he, you know, that he had anything necessarily to prove. Of course, there's pressure being Celtic, you know, manager, you know, what's going to come with the territory. You have to win trophies at this moment in time. You know, since since Neil's gone into the job, it's Neil Lennon for Steven Gerrard nil. Um, so, you know, that so there's shoots down in flames. The Rangers fans' optimism about Neil Lennon coming back. You look at where Celtic, um, you know, were in the position when the season did stop. They were in a, you know, in, in a really good place. Now, Neil uh, and the players, of course, will enjoy the fact that the, you know, the title has been called and they will celebrate. But you know, you know what it's like. They'll be getting the head down, uh, that the heads down at this moment in time. I think in a, in a few days. And uh, and concentrating on next season and the ten and of course European competition as well. Swanee, do you think the the kind of attention now immediately turns to that ten in a row? I mean, because you know Lennon mentioned it himself yesterday. There was it's obviously it'll have been in their minds for quite a while because there's obviously there's so much talk about it in the media and among fans. But it was almost like yesterday as if it was like a a relief for Lennon that he could finally say it out loud that now we're going for 10 in a row. And I think it comes back to what Chris said right at the beginning of the conversation when he said that when Lennon first took over again from Brendan Rodgers, the fans were singing the songs about going for 10 in a row. And as, as Neil Lennon pointed out, nine had to be done first. So I think it was more, I don't think it's more of a relief thing. I think it was more just a realism thing. And you, you were talking about... Um, Pressure and optimism coming from, you know, potentially coming from Rangers fans about Neil Lennon coming back. I don't think Neil Lennon would have cared about that. Neil no. Lennon's pressure would have come from within and would also have come from wanting to deliver that for the Celtic fans, not for anyone else. That's where his pressure would have been. He would have been wanting, he would know that the Celtic fans are thinking this is, if not a fair complete, but they're thinking this should happen. You know, the team should be winning 10 he He wants to be the man who who shows that he's up to the job of delivering it. And so far, he's done a great job in doing just that. He's not going to concentrate on what other fans of other football clubs... That's what I mean. He's not, I wouldn't imagine he's interested in the slightest. Yeah, he wouldn't be interested yeah. in the slightest. I mean, that that old adage, what is it? The, the dogs bark and the caravan just keeps <laughs> moving on. I think that applies it. Uh-huh. Oh, forever, forever apply that one. An all-time classic from our old pal Pedro Cachina. Uh as we just Lennon as well, you know, it's his second spell um, as manager, obviously. Um, he's now obviously one of the most decorated as a player and a manager in the club's history. Um, but if you've noticed any, you know, is there any kind of real standout improvements in him as a manager that you guys have noticed between his first spell and since he came back? Anything anything different that stuck out to you? Do you want to go, Swanee? Well, I can I can only speak. I, I can't speak from you know a player side or anything like that. I'm not in the dressing room. I don't I don't see what he's doing. What he's I mean, I can only talk from the media side. Um, he's very calm now. He's always very measured. The way he, he, the way he speaks about his team, uh, he never gets too high, never gets too low about it. You know, when they lost, when you know maybe in the past, 
I've been in press rooms when Celtic have lost a game and he's come in and, you know, back in his first spell and, you know, took the paint off the press room wall. Um, you know, I was at, I can certainly think of the game at Livingston this year, when this season when Celtic lost, very measured. The old firm game in December, very measured. Just OK, defeat, move on. You know, I think that would be the main change for me. All I can gauge it on is what you hear the players saying and the players all say the same thing. He's different, he's calmer. Um, and and I, I happen to think Callum McGregor's such a fantastic football player, so intelligent as a footballer. And listening to him over the past sort of couple of weeks or so, talking about the tactical changes that Lennon made that, that Chris has touched upon in January, just the way he got the two up, the way he freed it up to have two number eights, as Callum McGregor called it, almost two attacking midfield players to go with the two strikers and the linebacks. This is a guy who managed to set up a team to beat Barcelona. Best bar, one of the best European club sides we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Neil Lennon's always been a good manager. It's just, it's just a case that he's got better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, I would. I think you know he's, he's you know just to play at the level he played and then to go on and manage and to have the success which he's had. You know, he's he's got a good football brain. I don't think there's any doubting that. Um, I think you know Swanee touched on it. Uh, I think he controls his emotion. Uh, a lot better, and whether he's still feeling the same inside, I think that that now, you know, he's he's more difficult to read. I think he's more measured, uh, and I I think he's more of a thinker. And I think it's you know it's it, it's a big deal. Neil Lennon years ago as a player used to fly off the handle. I think you know he's admitted you know when he first went into management, you know he was uh, impetuous and, uh, and and used to you know shoot from the hip. I think we see a different. Uh, Neil Lennon now, uh, who can control his emotions better, and I think experience is a you know is a great thing. But uh, you know, I think that he has the ability now. Um, you, you know, where years ago he, he would fight fire with fire to actually step back and think about what's important, and uh, and he, he's shown great maturity this season. He said a great thing in Dubai, Chris, when he was asked about this. He said um, <laughs> he said uh, when he was asked about how what's changed and things like that. He said, I used to think I, I used to think I. I used to think I could take on the world. I used to want to take on the world. Sorry, I think it was. You know, try to get involved in everything. I think now he's realised, just step back. Just step back for a few things. Don't step need to get involved and, in them, you know? Step, step back, back and look. And, and, over and concentrate on what's important. And, That's right. Uh, you, yeah. know, you know, the importance is when you're, when you're Celtic manager is winning. That's what it's all about, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're allied to that uh, you know you have to play an attractive brand of football and a, an attacking brand of football and I think he's done that this season Is that fair to say Chris that um, that you know the the praise that was heaped onto the Brendan Rodgers first treble winning team that, that was a fantastic team with Dembele and Scott Sinclair flying and such like but there is a solid argument to say this current Celtic team as it was, was perhaps even more exciting and even more dynamic. Yeah, I think fair. so. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. And, you know, we all know what, um, you, you know, what happened with Brendan. And uh, I think certainly after the first season, it was always going to be difficult to maintain the standards which, which were set. Of course, it was going to be. But certainly, I, you know, I think the criticism of, with Brendan at the end, which is a harsh criticism because it's, you know, his team had, uh, you know, totally dominated uh, Scottish football was the fact that, you know, maybe in an attacking sense um, that that they uh, that, that they didn't have enough flair and, and were, were, were safe side to side, would come out again and, and 
and play. I think that Neil Lennon's found a, a system and a style um, which is which is swashbuckling and good on the eye, and that's what Celtic fans want. So I think that we have to give a lot of the uh, of credit to him and the team for the uh, for the brand of football. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I think there's been a bit more. You talk about that brand of football, there's maybe a bit more risk around Neil Lennon's Celtic team. I think towards the end with Brendan Rodgers, it all maybe felt a bit too regimented, and obviously it was it was still very you know kind of functional in the way they played. But it's the swashbuckling is the word that you used, and um, that was definitely evident after I think when he switched to the three-five-two after the winter break. Because I mean, a lot was made about what Rangers didn't do after the winter break, but do you think Lennon got enough credit for that tactical switch and just how much of a, an impact that it made? I think he's had plenty of credit, uh, Swanee, you know, you know, for it. I think that, that you know, that was the, you know, a, uh, a turning point. I think that the, the players also have to deserve, you know, a, gr- a great amount of credit. You mentioned Lee Griffiths as well. He does because there were question marks, I suppose, which is natural when you're a striker, at, you know, one of the big clubs, you know, that, does he have a future? At Celtic, you know, if Celtic were just playing one striker, then of course Odson Edward, quite rightly so, um, you know, was was getting the nod. But you know, Lee had got himself in a position where he was he was fit and 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 ready to go, and and hasn't looked back. So I think he has to uh, you know take a lot of, of credit for that as well. But I think it, you know it, it came down to you know Neil sitting down, maybe talking to his coaching staff, and just thinking. Do you know what? We, we do need to be braver when we come up against teams in Scotland. You know, we can outscore them and, you know, we may, we may leave ourselves bare at the back at times, but this is the way I'm going to play. And, uh, and it's worked and, and, and credit to the players for, uh, for being adaptable enough to, uh, to change system. What it tells us is they have a lot of intelligent footballers at the club. Yeah, I think Swanee that Chris makes a kind of great point, the adaptability of the players. I mean, because you don't I think you as well as having the, the winning mentality, I think that's kind of key, you know, continuing to win over and over again, being adaptable and being able to take on, you know, new systems and ways of playing. Well, you've got guys like Callum McGregor, you've got guys like Ryan Christie, you, you know, you've got guys who can interlink, play different positions. McGregor can play in just about anywhere on the pitch. Um, no doubt somebody will point out perhaps not left back. Um, he, can, he can play just about everywhere uh, from middle to front. Um, Edward can drop into the game. He can play right up top. You know, Griffiths has improved tenfold. He can drop off the game and play now. It's just good. I mean, there's the, the amount of managers who always say good footballers make good managers. And Neil Lennon's done a brilliant job fitting them into the right system and getting them, getting them into a way of playing. But the players ultimately have to carry it out. And the, and the Celtic players rose to the challenges that were, that were thrown in front of them. Because there was challenges thrown in front of them all season. I mean, to have won 17 out of 20 league games before the split and still only be two points ahead does show that Rangers made a fair fist of it in the first half of the season. Celtic had to keep incredibly high standards to stay in front. And the fact he did that said a lot about them. And then it said even more about them that they were able to maintain them when they came back. Mm-hmm. Whereas Rangers just couldn't keep going the pace that Celtic were going at. They just couldn't. Yep. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh, so, Monday, and uh, there, and certainly one half of Glasgow was all about you know the celebrations, but such as the such as the rivalry, um, even Neil Lennon was asked about, oh, you know, all this talk about tainted, tainted titles and asterisks and all that. 
and his kind of viewpoint on it was, of course, you know, tainted, suggests that there's been some sort of cheating and some sort of wrongdoing. Um, but we had your kind of old BT Sport colleague, uh, Chris Ali McCoyst, on the radio today, saying he doesn't believe it's tainted. However, simply because of, you know, what's happened with the season, there will be an asterisk next to this success. So I'm not, you know, entirely sure the point Ali was trying to make there, but what's, uh, what's, your, what's your take on that? Well, I think Ali's been on the bucky, hasn't he? I mean, what, I, I don't know what he's talking about. Jeff, bucky in Norfolk. No, no, we don't. We, we, you know, there's only, only champ, has a champagne uh, county down here. Oh, what? what where's he? He just, he just, you know, he just doesn't want to admit it that Celtic have been the better team. I mean, I, you know, I saw one of his quotes from, the, from this morning. He said that could Rangers have caught up with Celtic? Absolutely. I mean, what planet is he on? I don't know. What, I mean, really? I mean, come on. People talk about Asterix and, uh, you know, Ali talking about it. You know, there should be question marks. And this is what Rangers fans should be thinking. There should be question marks over what the hell happened in Dubai. There should be exclamation marks about um, Alfredo Morelos, him coming back, the shape he was in after the winter break. You know, don't worry about Asterix. And, you know, I, I was reading this morning that, in you know, if you want to talk about Asterix, should Rangers have 54 titles? Because in the first season of the Scottish League, 1890 to 91, Rangers and Dumbarton shared the title, didn't they? But Dumbarton scored seven more goals than Rangers. So therefore, they, they, they didn't use goal difference back then, that they went to a playoff, this, that and the other. But therefore... Surely there should be an asterisk against Rangers' name for the first season then. Why don't we ask Ali about that? <laughs> Maybe we could get him on one day. I don't know if on the, the record Celtic podcast. <laughs> you know. I mean, they went, they went to a playoff. They drew 2-2 in the playoff, Dumbarton and Rangers. I don't know what the, who, who was uh, the administrators back then, but they, they didn't go to extra time or penalties. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not? We know it gets dark early in Scotland, but just play it to a finished golden goal. What's wrong with them? <laughs> Golden goal in the 1800s, bro. The Dumbarton sex. <laughs> ahead of your time, ahead, ahead of your time. Uh, <laughs> only they thought of that back then. Um, but I think what it shows, if you start talking about uh, asterisks and tainted titles, Swanny, I think you're kind of opening a, you're kind of opening a, a can of problems, aren't you? It's just, it's... Uh, obviously, I mean, this season will be remembered as the one that was stopped because of the pandemic. But, I mean, it's, it's not to diminish anybody's achievements, is it? You've, you've, you've just answered the question. You've, you've just hit the nail on the head, Liam. This is a season that had to be stopped early because of the pandemic. Nothing yeah. else is worthy of discussion. I mean, the, the worst thing about... Honestly, really, honestly, nothing else is worthy of discussion. It's just not even worth discussing. No. The best team have won the league. Yeah. That's it. And, 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 you know, had it been flipped, would, would Ali have been saying, and Ali will probably say, yes, he would, but... You know, I just think you have to accept it. I said on last week's pod, I would accept if I was 13 points behind, um, you know, Rangers uh, and and had lost the league. That's just the way it is. I'd be more disappointed in myself. So, I said, you, you know, you just have to put your hand up and, and say, well done to Celtic. Well done for your, um, you know, nine in a row. I was reading that uh, it, Richard Goff talking about the great Billy McNeil uh, giving him a call when Rangers had won the, the nine in a row. Maybe... You know, James Tavernier should, you know, 
call Scott Brown and congratulate Chelsea because it is <coughs> a big deal. It is a big deal. You know, the third time in in, in history, and you know, it's. Uh, I think you have to accept when someone's better than you, and I, th- I think at this moment in time, Celtic are the dominant team, and you know, it's important to be gracious when you do lose and say, "Hang on a minute," you know, mm-hmm. you've won, and uh, and there you go. We take our hats off to you. We should have done better ourselves, but well done. And also, I think you made a good point. Your column last Saturday, Chris, when you spoke about the Dutch league. You know, and it's level on points, and it's just goals that are separating the top two. Ajax and AZ Alkma. You know, if, if you if you lose out in that situation, then well, you have every right to be upset, or you get relegated by a point or whatever. But when the team that are top of the league have cleared off by thirteen points in the space of you know they've gained eleven points over the space of what six or seven weeks, the league was finished. I think anybody, everybody recognises that. I even think Stephen Gerrard said, didn't he, after the, the the Hearts defeat in the cup, that you know that was their best chance of, of you know, of a trophy this season. That's now gone. So you know, he'd given up. It's only the fact that the you know the nature of the, the league stopped and all this talk. Well, we could have caught them. I mean, yes. in cloud, they're in cloud cuckoo land. I mean, we you know we saw the form of Rangers. We we saw the form of. Of Celtic, I could imagine that the Rangers players quivering had that game been played at Ibrox in front of the home fans. You know they were on a on a low. Celtic were on a high. You know it could have been a cricket score. It's funny you um, you know you touched on it there, like uh, about well, with the Dutch league and what's I mean because here in Scotland, you know there was a lot of kind of looking at what other leagues were doing, and I suppose that's probably the case in every country. You know fans, absolutely, yeah. We're all looking, but I mean, in a situation like this, you know, you put it, but there, there was never ever going to be a, a sort of one size fits all approach that you could apply across every league in Europe. It was just impossible, wasn't it? No, I don't think there is. There's different finances at play, the, the disease is moving at pace, or the illness, or the virus, whatever you want to call it, is moving at pace at different countries. It's leaving different countries. You know, you've got some countries, you know, Portugal are talking about starting on June 3. No, other countries are starting to get going. Everything's moving at a different pace. Everybody had, as much as they were trying to take some guidance from each other, it was pretty impossible. You kind of had to make up your own decisions and what was best for your clubs. And, you know, the clubs had to decide. The clubs were given the, the choice. The, the clubs were given the decision and, and they made the decision. That was it. They decided what was best for them. You know, you look at some of the other clubs in the league who have entered double figures of out-of-contract players. You know, they, they wouldn't have the teams to put together for next season. And, and I mean, that's something that we, we may touch on in a future pod, but I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure. I, I don't think it's possibly right that Celtic get denied the chance of another treble, but I'm not sure the Scottish Cup should be going starting off next season. Mm-hmm. Because I, Celtic will probably have a stable-ish squad, but you may have Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, big changes in all the squads. Yeah. Completely yeah. different teams. You know, look at Hearts. When it, when, you know, we're going down at the Champions. They're going to have a totally different team. They, yeah. they could have about four guys surviving at the team who won the quarterfinal, playing in a semi-final of the cup. Now, I know this isn't for today. This is this is for for, for a future pod. I'm not sure that should be happening. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Scottish Cup final should be played. You know, the Scottish Cup semi-finals and finals should be played with different squads in a different season. I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. And that would be severely cruel on Celtic to be denied the chance to win a quadruple treble. But I just don't... I just, it doesn't sit well with me, I have to be honest. 
Yeah, I mean, I was going to come to that just on from a purely Celtic point of view. Like, Sorry, really... have I busted your script? Oh, no, not at all, <laughs> you've actually, what, you've done, what you've done is you've led me perfectly into that question. It's called a link, Liam, a link. He's <laughs> just answered it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's in terms of, you know, like, um, do we do we think, well, what do we think that the chances are? That it, that it, is it too early to say that if it might still be played, that the, the, the chance of another treble might still be on? Do we think it's just a bit too early to... To speculate. I think it will be played, Liam. I think the SFA yeah. have made it crystal clearly want it played. Yeah. Um. Well, was that's as much to do with the finance generated? I'm not sure, but you know, getting Hamden Park filled three more times, <coughs> what it generates and the money it brings for the clubs. Um. Surely we probably want it. So I'm. I, I'm not saying it won't happen. What I'm saying is I'm not sure it should. Yeah, it should. I don't. I don't think it should really. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, if you, you know. You start the season, you have your squads. You know, next next season's an entirely different season, so it, you know, wouldn't it wouldn't seem fair on anybody, really? Yeah. You know, the, the league has been stopped for that reason, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. So why would the Scottish Cup keep going? It doesn't, you know. Agreed. Again, yeah. it's finance, but I, I don't think it's right. Yeah, and as you say, you know, Celtic might be one of the kind of few teams in Scotland who could, you know, count on uh, having that same similar squad, uh, but just. Coming to that squad, uh, Chris, you had a bit in today's uh, record, picking out your four key men um, from the season for Celtic. You Callum McGregor, Scott Brown, Odson Edward and Fraser Forster. So, you know, what, what made you uh, plump for those four? Because they've been really good. <laughs> Next. Next. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks for clearing no, that. It's, you know, it's... Uh... <laughs> It's a that's a difficult one because you know you, you know we all say it's a team game of course it is and the team ethic is so important uh, you know you go going through them individually I think Odson Edward is a special special player take him out of the Celtic team uh, would they have the same potency we all know the answer you know this this guy's going to go on to great things I, you know I do believe that an outstanding goal scorer I think is a brilliant finisher. I think some of his build-up play is absolutely sensational. He has the awareness, um, you know, of when to pass, how to pass, brilliant vision. Um, and, you know, he, he's been an absolute genius this year. And, you know, we're talking about the spine of the team. You talk about Brown, who's, you know, for years um, led the team from the front. And, you know, it's a legitimate question. You know, take Scott Brown out of out of the Celtic team. You know, would they miss his leadership? Would they miss a leader? I think, you know, we know the answer to that. So eventually someone, I mean, every year we have this Scott Brown debate, you know, will this be his last season? I don't think it will be. He proved me wrong about three seasons ago when I thought, you know, his uh, his days were numbered. He's kept himself in superb condition, but there will come a time when somebody has to step up to the plate to replace him because he's been such an outstanding uh, captain and a player. McGregor's a, a wonderful football brain, isn't he? Keeps things ticking in that Celtic midfield. Really intelligent player, can see a pass, slide a pass. Um, you know, so important in terms of knitting things together. Christopher Julian was an option. I think he's, uh, you know, he's had a couple of iffy games this season, but scored in big games. I think that he has a, you know, a real presence. At the back, I think it's a little, and I'm not comparing him to Van Dyke in this respect. So, you know, but what I would say is, 
I think Van Dyke at times when he first came over used to switch off and think things were a little bit too easy. And I think that um, I get that impression with, with, you know, with Julian and, and, you know, sometimes he can get a little bit too emotional, but I think that there's a, you know, a real player in there and he's, he's going to be a great asset for Celtic. Um, Fraser Forster, what you look for in a goalkeeper is big saves in, in big moments. And there's been many, many big moments this season. Um, not easy being a, a goalkeeper for Celtic domestically. You know, often in, in 90 minutes, you don't get much to do. One or two shots, you have to be switched on and, and concentrate. Um, but I think that, you know, when he has been has been tested, he is, um, you know, he stood up. We only have to talk about the, you know, the League Cup final, his performance there in Europe big saves uh, when Celtic needed them. And uh, I think that is an outstanding piece of business. And it must be going through Neil Lennon's head. I don't know the situation. Swanee will never, you know, no better than me. Um, you know, what's going to happen possibly with Fraser Forster. But, you know, again, take him out of the Celtic lineup, and there's a big hole, you know, I do think. But he's been, it's been, it's been a brilliant uh, return for Fraser Forster and, and suited all parties. Chris is right, it's very difficult as a team game. There's a couple of guys that I think probably deserve added. Listen, there's, there's, there's more than a couple of guys, but Ryan Christie was fantastic through the first half of this season. I mean, he was absolutely brilliant playing in that number 10 role, and he really set the tempo with his energy and the way he gets about the pitch. And um, I know Chris spoke about it in his column, you know, the differences between Christie as a 10 and Rogic as a 10. And uh, Tom Rogic as a 10 and the difference in the tempo of Celtic when Christie was in that position at the start of the season. And one other guy, I mean, if ever there was a, if ever the phrase familiarity breeds contempt was, was born for a boy, it's James Forrest. I mean, all the accolades that Scott Brown deservedly gets, James Forrest has been there for every single one of the nine in a row. And he has once again had another great season. Yep. You know, maybe not up to the, the player of the year season of a, a couple of years ago, but Goals and assists. He's just so consistent. So consistent. And if you think back to the big European ties, you know, mistakes were made at the back that cost Celtic in games, but, you know, in Cluj, at home to Cluj in the Champions League qualifiers, the goals against Stockholm in the playoff for the Europa League, the goal in Lazio to get Celtic back in. Like everybody talks about in Cham's dink to win the game. Forest equaliser was absolutely out of this world. Yeah. He he has had another great season. He just he's one of those guys who sometimes feel gets overlooked because he's always there, but he shouldn't yeah. be. And I yeah. thought it was I, I thought it was nice what Neil Lennon said today about him being a modern day great, along with him and with Scott Brown. That's that's high praise. But I mean, if you've been there for every one of the nine in a row, you deserve that. He deserves that recognition. I think does. In fairness to me, Liam, can I just say that I was asked to do a Fab Four. I would have been happy <laughs> doing a Super Six. I had to leave someone out. I mean, that was uh-huh. you could say there's a naughty journalism, really, to put me under that sort of pressure. Yeah, it's unfair. It's unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Cope with the pressure. <laughs> no, but just come. I think it is. It was, it was a nice touch from Neil to give James Forrest that. Specific recognition was who, who would your four be, Liam? Just to have a matter of interest, if you had to pick four, um, I think I'd agree with you on Brown, uh, Edward, um, and I'm going to go I agree with Swanee, uh, in terms of Ryan Christie. I just think that hang on, Swanee said six, Swanee hasn't said his four, he said <laughs> oh, six. Oh, so I'm, I'm to pick six. No, or, no, or, we're picking four, but but don't don't 
you know, Swanee's not exempt because Swanee said six. That's my point. He asked me for four. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll hear Swanee's after. So you're four. So you've gone for Christie, Edward, Brown. Brown. And I think I'm I'm going to go for Christopher Julian. Uh, I just think some of those, the goals that he scored, uh, big, important goals, uh, the home one against Lazio, and I think the one, uh, the Beck Fred Cup final goal, I think it was just kind of, it was the kind of epitome of being a big game player that day. Um, Celtic were kind of under, under the cosh for a lot of it. And then he's popped, I mean, for a centre-back to pop up with that finish, it was just incredible, yeah. I thought. And it's like you say, he was prone to the kind of odd uh, lapse in concentration. I think everybody brings it back to that one with Livingston. I think it was Lyndon Dykes. Yeah, yeah. Um, where he had a bit of a tough, bit of a tough time. Um, but then he learned from that, didn't he? I think he came out and admitted it himself. He, he learned from that. It was his kind of first real taste of the rough and tumble of Scottish football. And I just think he's uh, he's been key in that respect. Uh, so I, I, he would be my he'd be my fourth man. In your Swanee then, Edward McGregor, Christie, Forrest. So you don't well, rate Forster then? Fraser Forster's an excellent goalkeeper, <laughs> but it's easy it's easy for goalkeepers. It's Scott, Scott Brown. <laughs> Scott Brown doesn't. Scott Brown doesn't need an accolade. He's got. He's got twenty-one. Easy for goalkeepers. Scott Brown's got twenty-one winners medals. He doesn't need a, a, any accolades off me. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> Incredible. Easy for keepers. So that's all from us today. We'll leave it there. Um, if you want to listen to the podcast, you can now get it first on the Global Player app. Uh, don't worry if you listen to us on other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast, that's fine but we recommend you download the Global Player app to listen to our podcasts as soon as they're available and of course the Global Player is available to download on iOS and Google stores thanks very much for listening